Today, um, I do want to talk to you uh, very briefly here, um, and then we're going to do some things differently. I'm, I'm going to bring Martin up here in a little bit, but not yet. I'm going to, we're going to talk about our Judeo-Christian roots. Everybody say Judeo-Christian roots. Now, here's a fact that maybe you realize or you don't realize, but I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him this. I'm in love with a Jewish carpenter. I'm in love with a Jewish carpenter. Yes, his name is Jesus. Thank you, Mother Betty. Thank you. I would just assume that everybody knew who I was talking about. But Jesus was a Jewish carpenter. And as such, our faith starts in the Jewish roots. Amen. How many know that? That Christianity wasn't just this standalone religion. We have, we have years and thousands of years of historical background that we identify with. We identify with our Hebrew brothers, amen, with our Hebrew brothers and sisters. The things we have set up on our table here for display are for you to enjoy after the service, if you'd like. Some of them are from Martin when he just came back, and others are from my visit earlier in 2013 when I had an opportunity to go. But let me tell you this, when you do go, and if you get a chance to go like Mother Betty this, this later this year, it is a life-transforming experience. There are places you will visit that will, will change the way you look at them going forward, but also literally transform you spiritually. There will be moments that you will have when you visit places there that will catch you up into heaven at that moment. And you'll know what I'm talking about when you get there, Mother Betty, because it's going to be a beautiful experience for you. But while all that is amazing and true and beautiful, I don't want you to lose sight of this. We don't have to go to the Holy Land to experience God. We can experience all of God and just as much of God as we can over there here. Amen? You do not have to go seek for a sign or a miracle. You can be that miracle and that sign here in, in American Canyon, in Vallejo, wherever it is that you live. Amen? So let's, let's go into this uh, real briefly. First of all, the, the Bible talks about, talks about really two divisions of people. The Bible says either you were Jewish, Hebrew, or you were Gentile. Guess what you and I are? Gentiles. Unless you were born Jewish, you are a Gentile. So it doesn't matter if you call yourself German or Italian or African-American or Mexican, whatever you may be, Filipino, you are a Gentile. And, and, and as such, the Bible tells us that we're grafted onto the root of faith, of the Jewish faith. This is why we're known as Judeo-Christians. Judeo-Christians. Now we know that the, the huge difference is that the Jewish faith rejects the fact that Jesus that carpenter that we're in love with, that they reject him as savior. When he came 2,000 years ago, they rejected him. In fact, they mocked him, but they rejected the fact that he was the savior, even though prophecies in Zechariah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all Jesus Christ fulfilled all of them, meaning that he was the one that was going to go to the cross, but they rejected him. Romans chapter 11, and I'm not going to get into that. 
speaks about how we are grafted into this great faith. That, that is not the Christian root that supports us, but rather the Jewish root that supports our faith. You realize that? It's not really the Christian faith that, that supports us or the Christian root. It's the Jewish root. We're grafted in to this root that is Jewish. Now, I want you to stand with me as I read this one verse of Scripture found in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, the New King James Version says it this way. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amen. Lord, we pray right now your blessing upon this time. I pray, God, give us hearing and understanding. Give us wisdom to grasp your word. And Lord, maybe to walk away today understanding a little bit more with clarity about our faith. To be able to share that with others. Father, we pray your blessing now on each here today and on the words that I speak. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. The Lord God was giving this blessing to Abraham. I will bless thee and those who bless you. Do you want to know why our country is one of the only allies in the entire world and why our country is blessed to be alive after 200 years of existence? Do you, do you know that most countries don't exist after 200 years? They fall apart. They, they, dynasties cease to exist after a matter of of a couple of centuries, we are still going strong. Our country is still going strong. The fabric of this country, all this, this blend that I see here, that's what makes it strong. It's not perfect, but it's still strong. And here, the, the reason why I strongly believe this is because we are an ally, we support, and we pray for Israel. The, the, the blessing is here. You may disagree with it. You may not like it. But this is the blessing found in Genesis 12, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I can be blessed, I'm going to try to figure out how to get blessed. So you know what we do as a church? Most of you probably don't even know this. But we set aside, I specifically designed this, that in our offerings, a certain percentage of this offering goes to Israel. Because why? I want this church to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. I want us to be blessed as a church, as a, as a lighthouse to this community. Amen? And in addition, you can do that on your own. Pray for Jerusalem. Pray for Israel. Because it goes on to say, in addition to that blessing, listen to the rest of it. It says, and I will curse him who curses you. I don't want to have nothing to do with no curses. I don't, I want to be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you realize this, that we as Christian believers, we have a a debt of gratitude that we owe to the Jewish faith for their contributions. For example, Jesus Christ was a rabbi from Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, And he is the greatest, in fact, this Bible centers on Jesus Christ, Old Testament and New Testament, points to Jesus Christ. Amen? The Bible says in John 4, 22, salvation is of the Jews, and we have been 
grafted into that where we can be partakers of that same salvation. Consider what else the Jewish faith has given to Christianity. The sacred scripture. The sacred scripture. Martin probably saw this as well, but I got a chance to go to the Book of the Shrine, a great museum where they actually have the scrolls that were found, the actual scrolls that were found in the Dead Sea by a Bedouin shepherd. It's historically marked as cave number four. And that's where one day a Bedouin shepherd throwing rocks like a 12-year-old boy does. And all of a sudden he heard pottery breaking. And to this day, it's the greatest find in historical archaeology. To this day, the Dead Sea Scrolls. It was the parts of Isaiah as well as other parts of the original Hebrew Bible. And in this museum, I got to see what he found, this Bedouin shepherd laid out in this uh, preserved chamber that you could see through because oxygen affects it, air affects it, and it's protected there. And the original text is right there. It's amazing. Thousands of years old, preserved in, in jars of clay. And so we have the sacred scripture. We have the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and so forth that were products of the Jewish people. We have the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you've all heard the great, amazing stories of the great patriarchs. We have Mary, Joseph, and Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the greatest gift the world has ever seen. We have the 12 disciples, including Judas, all Jewish. They weren't Italian. They weren't Mexican. They, they were Jewish. They were Jewish. And then, of course, the apostles, because there were more than 12 apostles. There were, there were many apostles, but at the same time, they were, came from the Jewish faith. Amen? Here's what I want you to, to get at. It is not possible to say, I am a Christian and dislike Jewish people. It's not possible. Uh, you are going against the tenets of Scripture if, you, if that comes out of your mouth. And then here real quickly in Acts chapter 10, and Martin was able to visit this place. Why, why did, in fact, let's turn there. If you have your Bible, I don't have this scripture for you, but, uh, or is it? Look at that. She is good. Acts chapter 10. This is the vision of Cornelius. So in verse 2 of Acts chapter 10, he and all his family, this is talking about Cornelius, were giving, were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Next scripture. Verse 4. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Is there another scripture following that? And verse... So, this one was the verse right before that. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, so Cornelius, check this out, he is having this vision. And he's saying, um, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come as a memorial offering before God. Who was he praying for? This was a Gentile. In fact, he was non-Jewish, this person. And he was praying for the Jewish people. He was praying for the faithful at that time. He was praying and praying. And those alms, those prayers were coming up. As, as a sweet offering up to God. Do I have any other scriptures up there? Okay, that was it. Thank you. So here's the point of that. This man, Cornelius, had this vision 
And in that vision, he, he, he saw that, that his alms and prayers were coming up to God. And, and so the, the story goes on. If you continue to read Acts chapter 10, he, he, asked to, um, uh, he asked to go have a man, actually Peter at the same time. This, check this out. This is what's crazy about God. Peter had a vision as well. And he said, you got to go speak to Simon, the tanner, who lives in the seacoast city of Joppa. And he was there. I was there. And it's one of the places you'll get to go if you go on an Israel trip. And in fact, you go to the actual house of Simon the Tanner. And Peter had this vision. Go to this house, Simon the Tanner, because that's where Cornelius was going to be at. And, and so God somehow brought that together. He, he orchestrated those events that he would have Cornelius, that, that Peter could minister to Cornelius. Amen? So God, God is in charge of our lives, right? God can orchestrate anything that you think is not possible. Amen? Amen? Just know that. Psalms 122 and verse 6, listen to this scripture. And this is what we should be doing every day. Because how many know the Middle East, in particular Israel, um, all the areas around there are constant turmoil. There is, there is one flashpoint from... World War III happening in that, in that area. But the scripture tells us in 122, Psalms 122, 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. We are encouraged to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Not, not victory in a war, but pray for peace. That is what our goal is to do as, as Christians. We are to pray for peace for, for Jerusalem. So at this time, I want to have uh, Martin come up and um, I'm going to have a a chair brought up for you, brother, if you could just um, sit up here and we're going to kind of go over some of these beautiful pictures he took. How many, just by raise of hands, if if you could afford it tomorrow, would love to go to Israel and and walk the Holy Land and and walk the steps that Jesus took? That's what's most amazing. You, You come up to some of these steps and I'm going to get too excited here, brother. I already know this. You get up to some of the steps of, the, of where the temple was. And these are the steps, the entryway into the temple. And you know for sure that Jesus and the disciples walked on those steps. Ooh. I can just tell you right now. Ooh. To know that Jesus walked through there. My Savior. And right now, tell us what you're wearing, Martin. This is actually Arabic. Uh, there were certain things that when you went, we got to go to Jordan, which is Arabic, and we also went to Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus, right? I'm going to stand up. No, here or, you go. Whatever you, whatever you feel comfortable yeah. with. Um, the birthplace of Jesus is where we also got to go to, and uh, the irony of it is that it's under Palestine rule. So our Jewish, uh, Jewish Argentinian, Spanish-speaking, uh, Jew, uh, Guy could not go in there because they would kill him because it's under Palestine. In yes. the middle of Israel, Bethlehem is under Palestinian mm-hmm. rule. So yes. this is what the Arabs wear because they literally just live in a desert. There's We got to see growth, maybe barely. They go, this is lush green that we're seeing. They go, we're actually right now, they're in the middle of a miracle. It's been mm-hmm. raining for the last three years. Yes. And it doesn't rain more yes. than, they say, five centimeters per year. And it's been raining. Very little growth, but to them, it's less. But it's a prophecy it that in the prophecy. last days, they would see that. Yes. And this is what the Arabs wear. So, of course, I wore one. I got to ride on a camel in Jordan. Yes. 
That was the only time when my group went that we actually felt a little uncomfortable because you're going in, it looks like you're going into another country because there's walls. There's some, in fact, we had two um, um, Israeli guards come on our bus with fully automatic weapons, walk down that whole bus because what used to happen in Bethlehem, remember the suicide bombers that would come to Israel? They generally originated out of Bethlehem. They would come and go into, into Jerusalem and set off bombs, suicide bombs. And so there's a checkpoint there. Either way in or out. They're checking you out. And that was the only time it kind of felt sketchy. Mother Betty, God is with you. Amen. <laughs> it, was to- it was totally safe this last time that we went. It was... Yes, it's, it's safe all the it, way around. It was, but you do feel a difference. Yes. I think it's because you're going from God's people to a godless people. Mm. And I think you feel the difference. Just your spirit feels that mm. difference, I think. Hey Amen. We're going to put some photos up here on the screen. And so why don't you tell us, first of all, Martin, about... Start with this one. What this is, is that, what This is just something that it was the beginning of our trip. And that's where we landed in, in uh, Tel Aviv and Jaffa. Beautiful city. If you got to see any of the other pictures, you saw uh, just some, some, some of the ocean side. Uh, it's the Mediterranean Sea. There you go. And we got to stay in one of those high-rises over there. Uh, it, everything was top class. They took care of us. Very this terrible. is the beautiful Mediterranean. It is gorgeous when you get out there. So the, this is the... Tel Aviv is where the airport is located at. And you land in there, and then you go here to Jaffa, the coast town, seaside town. It's very beautiful there. Yes. And then we, you went to Herod's Theater. Tell us a little bit about that. Herod's Theater and Herod's Amphitheater. Uh, basically, they said the theater is, um, if you go to the next picture, maybe. Um, this is basically rooms that they're reconstructing. Uh, it was basically just an amphitheater outside where you would see. You can go down there, and if you would talk, even in a whisper, the whole area would be able to... Uh, uh, that's what it would look like. Well, this is later on. This is a, um, a design. That's the am- am- amphitheater right there. People would sit up there and they would listen to shows just like we would go see a concert or something like that. They would see plays. They would see uh, uh, preachers, synagogues, all that. They would do all that. Whatever they did back then, 2,000 years ago, is what would happen in that. And Herod, Herod the Great, who actually was during the time when all the babies were killed, the Jewish babies and and Jesus was slain and all this, he, if it wasn't for his evilness, he really was a great man. Because he even married into Jesus. I don't know if you knew this, you probably do, because my brother-in-law is actually really, really smart. I just mentioned one thing, and he'll tell me the whole history of it. He married into Jesus' family line. They said he was so smart that he knew that he would not be accepted by the Jews. So what did he do? He married one of their distant cousins so that he could be part of the Jewish line which Jesus comes from the lineage of David, yes. the kings of the old, yes, and King Herod married into them. But on the other hand, Herod did have sons, many sons, and it was written of him, it was better to be a pig than to be one of Herod's sons because he executed every one of his sons because they, he was afraid they were going to take over his dynasty. Brothers Can you believe that? And his, a couple yes. of his wives yes. he executed also yes. for the same reason. Um, this is, a, again, just part of the ruins that you would see that when you're over there, Mother Betty will get to see this, there'll be like a big black marker or a paint or like it looks like a Sharpie. They'll go underneath that black line is original stone and above it is reconstructed. 
And you can tell, but these are pillars that were there that either over time, some of them, the ones on the left here, you can see where they were broken off. Uh, and they try and reconstruct to show what it was like. They even have painters and even uh, uh, graphics on computer to show you what it looked like back then. But this was all part of that. Here's another, I'm not sure if this is the uh, um, Sky Skytropolis? Yes. The Skytropolis. Mm -hmm. This was a whole city um, that was, it was like uh, uh, your best place to go at a resort to go work out and all this and that. It was the best of the best, but earthquakes at the time uh, finished off that city. There's a place where everybody, it was funny, you had probably a picture in there somewhere. People would go to the bathroom and you sit on these wooden slabs next to each other, no, no stalls, but they had... Right there. Right there. That's an actual bathroom and that's, yes. you sat on that one cheek on each side. And, but it was the high class of the high class back then. But because of their evil, well, I don't know, I can't say that. There were earthquakes that happened and mm -hmm. just different things that happened in ruins. And it's all being excavated. It's all being re-dug up. And uh, they're just one of One of the amazing things is, you got to remember, they had their own water system here. They had canals built. The Romans had extensive technology in how they designed and built this water to come flowing into a desert area. Here, this was on the coast, but again, they had extensive canals and water systems built in place. And then we, we get to Masada. You want to share what the story of Masada is? Masada, okay, so Pastor Rick has been up there. It's on a huge mountaintop, and it's all rock, all rock. And King Herod had two of his palaces there. One he used for winter and one he used for, for spring or summertime or something like that. There were two huge palaces up there, and it's all in ruins now, 2,000 years ago. But the story of Masada was, I don't know if it was a 1,000 people or a couple thousand people that were left. Uh, they were being, the Romans wanted to kill them. They were the Maccabeans, I believe, which were part of the Jewish uh, culture. And uh, the Romans were going to kill them all. So what they did, they stored themselves up there and they waited it out. Three months, four months, five months, and the Romans knew, let's just wait them out. We'll let no food get in there. So no food gets in there. There's, um, that's, you had to go way up the mountaintop. That's a tram that we took because we had a lot of elderly people, which I don't think I would have wanted. Pastor Rick walked up the walkway all the way up there. Yeah. And we rode on a tram. It's and called and the that's snake what trail. It is. All that is rock. Two palaces up there. The richest of the rich lived up there. And, um, there were a couple thousand people. They ended up, there were 10 leaders. We were in the room sitting down on some rocks. Once, once those pictures go, you'll see us sitting down on some, what looked like rocks. They were in there. The 10 leaders were going to decide, okay, we're going to die. Do you want to see your women be raped the most brutally way that the Romans could do it? Do you want to see your boys and your girls grow up as slaves? Or not grow up, but you know that they're going to be their slaves. I am not ready to do that. So what are we going to do? Well, this is what we're going to do. The 10 decided we're going to draw lots. And they put their names on rocks. And they put those 10 names in a canister or in a basket. And the rock that was drawn out, that was the one who was going to do the big sacrifice. The big sacrifice in Jewish law, and even now, you cannot commit suicide and go to heaven. That is the one out of a couple unpunishable uh, laws. You cannot blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, and suicide was another. So they were all going to be killed. They put all their armor, all their food, all their gold in the middle of the city. And they decide the 10 of us will kill off all the family members and everybody in the city. And then the last 10 that are left, the one that lost, will kill the other 10. And then he will commit suicide. 
So that's what happened because they were not going to allow for the women to be raped and done whatever to, and they were not going to allow their children to grow up as slaves. The thing about this is they left all their armor, all their gold, all their food supplies up in the middle of the city. So when the Roman soldiers finally came up and saw them, there was nobody left in the city except there were two families, and they were like three children and two women, I believe, that did survive the whole ordeal, and that's how the story got out. They left everything there in the middle because they wanted the Romans to know, you did not kill us. We killed ourselves. Yes. We do not die at your hands. God will have vengeance for us. God will redeem us. But you did not kill us. We killed our children. You did not have your way with them. And that's the sad story. Yeah. Of Which is a huge, huge significance in the Jewish history. In fact, they bring up some of the armed, uh, as, part, as part of the Jewish um, population there, once you turn 18, you are going to serve in the military. And they bring them up here so that they never forget about Masada, that it will never happen again. Everything so, about Israel is, is about remembering. Yes. Everything yes. that we'll see right now is about remembering. That's when um, I met three soldiers. Uh, of course, I took pictures because I want to take pictures with girl soldiers. But um, three of them that I met are Americans. And I go, and what are you doing here? You wanted to join up? They go, no, I'm also Jewish. And we're required to be in mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. And they're awesome to be in service. And I thank them. And I said, we're praying for you guys. And we thank you. Just the way I would one of our service members, I would walk up to them and tell them, I thank you for your service. Yes. Um, because as Pastor uh, Rick keeps uh, explaining, we are tied into the Jewish faith. Amen. Um, but it, it was awesome to see them. They were happy to serve. One of the great things that you've got to remember, this is on a huge mountaintop in the desert, in the middle of the desert, right across from the Dead Sea. Nothing is out there in this place. It's desolate. But they built extensive canals and ways to trap rainwater when it would rain because you got to wonder, well, how did they ever get water? Well, they constructed all these, all these little containers. In fact, um, there was one previous in the previous picture. There's uh, places to wash before you entered a synagogue, they had a synagogue there. You had to wash. Uh, there's other pictures, I think, that we have of this Masada. Yes, that one there, where they captured water. They were cisterns, and they were for the people that were there. It was just amazing the extensive technology, technology. that they had. Yes. Yeah, it, it was basically big water tanks, pools. They believed a lot. They bathed for everything. Okay. Uh, before eating, before prayers, before blessings, they bathed. Now we're getting to Martin's favorite place, I think, in the okay, whole this trip. Is, this is the lady who leads us. She's the short lady's best friend I've ever had. Um, what? She, she, uh, she cries with me when things go good. She cried with me when my fiance Laura got together with me. She cried more than anybody else when Laura left me. Um, she's the one who convinced me to go the first time two years ago to uh, Israel. And there she is. She came down on horseback. We're basically going into Masada. It's a two-mile walk, and you'll see all that is all rock, and there are carvings in there where people, if you see flowers and things in front of these caves, those are actually tombs because the Bedouins, they didn't have, you know, a cemetery. They could, they were actually buried into. This, this is, is Petra, right? This, this is, is Petra. This yeah. is in Jordan. This is the Arabic country where I got this from. Um, and uh, we walked for two, uh, for two miles, and during that walk with three other people, I laughed because there were five different times where I go, oh my God, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been in. Just the colors of the rocks. When we finally got to this place, 
This was built 4,000 years ago in the times of Solomon and King David. Um, after a thousand, and this is into the rock. After about a thousand years, there were four different earthquakes, and everything got buried for three thousand years. Barely like sixty or seventy years, seventy years ago, they found it and they started excavating it, and they're digging it out. And it's this whole thing that is now considered, I think, the eighth or ninth wonder of the world, mm -hmm. the eighth wonder of the world, and it's called Petra. Google it, Petra. Um, we got to get on camels. That was part of it. Uh, oh, there there you am, are on a camel. Um, but this is, the, the, the most beautiful part was actually getting to see something that I've never ever seen in my life. And when we were walking through that, through the rocky, with the rocks all on the side, it's basically a pathway smaller than this for two miles winding. And all I could think of, I love history, I could think of King David or King Solomon saying, okay, we got to go through there to get to our promised land, we got to go through there. So as a general, they got to be thinking, when's the best time to go? So they decided, this is the best time to go. I could just imagine them being in the middle, all of a sudden being lined up with the enemy and throwing down rocks, boulders, spears, arrows, and there's nowhere to escape. Mm -hmm. We saw one of the guys, one of the Jordanians, he, scaled, he had a whole tunic. He had this down to the ground, and he scampered up that hillside like if it was like I would on flat ground. And I mean, the way he scampered up that, I was like, you know, I really don't want to look, I would hate to see him fall. He just went up there, their lifestyle out there, it's just, they were, for being to what we had learned, you know, from CNN, that how evil they would be to Americans, to Christians and to Jews, the Jews and the Arabs live in harmony out there. Amen. They honestly live in Yes, they do. And they were all so nice to us. I learned to say Sukrash, which means thank you in, in Arabic. Toda, uh, which means thank you in Hebrew. And that's all you said. You said Shalom, or you said Asalaam Aleikum, and, and the response would be Malakam Salam. And that's what you would say, because we couldn't understand each other, except for one young boy who kept saying, he wanted to take our pictures and then wanted to get paid. He'd say, no money, no honey. Like that. <laughs> and that's the little things that they would learn. They, they knew Spanish, they knew yes. English, they knew all sorts of language because they had so many people that come visit. Yes. And like I said, the Jewish people and the Arabic people, everywhere we went, they just got along. It Amen. Was really nice. To Here, see. this is now Jerusalem. You've come back into the Israel Western world. and the Western world. But before we go there, you got to understand what he's talking about. In Jerusalem, there's four quarters. There's there's the Jewish quarter. There's the Arab quarter. The there's the quarter. Greek quarter. The Armenian quarter. So. They all live and commingle together. And here's one thing I've grown to understand. Our, our media sometimes um, does not serve justice to what the truth is over there. We, we would think that, God forbid I travel over there, I, I could be in danger. It's not dangerous when you go there. They want you to come over there. They will do everything to protect you. You will see military guards at various stations because they want to protect the tourism dollar because that's what keeps the society there going as well. So they want you to come. They are going to make you feel safe, and it is safe. Amen. One of the things that we were told, um, our, our guy, he goes, you go out at night, mm -hmm. 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, don't be scared. Out here, they don't come out at you with a gun or they don't come out with you with a knife. They don't do that. Now, if you have something sticking out, they might pickpocket you, you know, but they're not, you're not going to get costed, so you don't have to be scared. The two weeks we were there, I saw the police twice. 
And I heard ambulances three times. And even one of the times there was something that was going on, but that was with a radical uh, in, in, in the Arabic part of Jerusalem, where we were not, for about a half hour, we were not allowed to go to, because they blocked it off. But they said, don't worry, they never do anything against terrorists. Usually it's the, uh, the radicals, whether they're Arabic or Jewish, it's the radicals that have problems with each other. For the most part, the 95 or the 99% do not have a problem with each other. Amen. So here we are in Jerusalem where, where Martin was at. This is considered the most holiest site in all of Israel. I want you to grasp the gravity of that. This is the place um, up on top, if you've seen the picture, where the Golden Mosque is located in Israel, in Jerusalem. The dome, it's, the dome is right above this. That's a, that's a mosque there where the formerly, where the Jewish temple used to re reside, Solomon's temple that was built, used to reside right above this. This wall here is a remnant of that temple. That's why it's considered the holy, holy site to Jewish people. See, the, the temple, what was so special about the temple? It contained the presence of God. It contained the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant. Remember reading about that in the Old Testament? That's where God's presence, His Shekinah glory was located at. So it's a very holy section for the Jewish faith. And up along the walls there, you will see the, the Jewish rabbis praying like this all day long. And in the background, you hear the Muslim prayers going on. You can hear them from their speakers. So all these cultures are combining, converging. And you can see why it could possibly be a hotbed someday. But they exist and they coexist peacefully. Amen? That was a picture of me. The, other, the one right before, the three on the right were actually friends of mine that went on our trip with us. That one, I... I I wanted to make sure everybody was getting pictures of me putting your guys' name. Every family that's part of this church, Pastor Rick told me about, I wrote it down on a prayer petition. I prayed for you guys, and we all put it into the wall. So every single family that... And we played that video here two weeks ago of you placing those names oh, okay, in good. the wall. I thought I, I was mad at myself because I thought I had actually lost the pictures to that because I couldn't find them. But since I was just uploading picture after picture to, so that y'all could see it, I wasn't sure if I caught that, and I was really actually broken because I thought that I had lost it. But we did that. I mentioned Pastor uh, Nally and his church in Napa. I mentioned this church here, and I, uh, my old pastor, Pastor Galindo and El Sendero de la Cruz in Sacramento. Those were the three churches, and uh, this was the only church though, where every single family member and every single member that was here was mentioned at our prayer, and, and our church was very, very moved at being able to do this. Um, yeah, and then the next one here, or go to, go, go to where they were grouped together. Um, they're celebrating a bar mitzvah. Every, the custom is right here, every 13-year-old Jewish boy celebrates a bar mitzvah. On a Thursday. Yes, on a Thursday only. They, and they do it right here. Ethiopia. I actually got to speak with them because I saw them doing the ritual that I saw the other Jewish people doing. And so I, you know, tried talking in whatever way that I could. And I go, where are you from? And I go, America. Which they, at first they told us we were not really supposed to do too much because you don't yeah. know who might not like that. Yes. But I'm going, America, America. Oh, and then Mexico, Mexico. And he said, we are, I go, are you Christians? We are Christians. And he told me, we're Jewish. We're doing a bar mitzvah. We are from Ethiopia. So 
Part of the prophecy which Pastor Rick will someday get into the, a huge uh, teaching on, on all the different people all over the world, the Jews, it's uh, prophesied yes. that all the Jews will come back home. And I got to see Ukrainians that were Jewish, um, Ethiopians that were Jewish. Two years ago, I met this guy who goes, are you from Mexico? I go, no, I'm not from Mexico. He had the curls and the hat and the, and the whole thing. He looked Jewish. And he started talking to me in Spanish. I go, I go I'm from America, but my, my dad is from Mexico. I go, your Spanish is good. Where are you from? He goes, I'm from Mexico. And I go, why are you dressed like that? He goes, because I'm Jewish. And he goes, um, I go, well, what part of Mexico are you from? He goes, yo soy del DF. Which, any, it's like a New York City going, I'm from New York. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm from Mexico City. Mm -hmm. I'm born and raised in Mexico City, but I am Jewish. And he did do the whole... Uh, the, the whatever it is that they were doing, I'm, I'm not sure what that was, mm -hmm. but they come from all over the world. I met so many Christians from the Ukraine, from Ethiopia, from yes. China, Japan, from Thailand, Mexico, everywhere. And in, in this picture here, this young boy is also celebrating his bar mitzvah. And one of the things that they do is they have these little sections. Uh, they're located off the wall, the western wall. And in, those, in that bronze or gold-looking um, uh, ornament is contained the scrolls, meaning the, the first six books of the Bible. And then they use those and they pray. They say a special uh, prayer, special blessing over the young boys there at the Western Wall as they perform that ceremony. Over there, they take it very serious. When they turn up from 12 years old, they're no longer children. They are men. Yes. And before God... It's not just to say, hey, you're a man, you know, like here, you're 21 years old, you can get drunk now or something like that. No. Over there, it's something that they do before God. It's something to them that's very spiritual and it's part of their life. And then finally, you went to the Holocaust Museum. This is, you do not go, some of our people, they well, I don't want to go there, it's, it's sad. I don't, and, and our Letty, the lady who takes us, she had explained to them, this is the reason why they do all this. They don't want you to remember. I remember growing up. I don't know how many of you remember uh, growing up where they would say, no, that didn't really happen. That's just Jewish propaganda. It, it did happen. And the small clips that I saw or that I've seen, imagine a hundred times the ugliness. And we went, walked into a museum to where I saw thousands of shoes that belonged to somebody who was Jewish and that was scraped up. And you saw videos of bodies. And these were, most of these at this one where I saw they were all women. They were, they, they were naked. They were dead. They were on the ground. Bulldozers just scraping them off in the pits. Um, we walked into one. There were six million Jews who got killed. There was a video of women just marching and marching. And the lady said, if you fell behind, you would get, head, you would get butted in the head with a rifle. You'd get knocked down. Basically, the soldiers, as they were marching, they would just kick you out of the way and you'd die somewhere in the snow. And they go, I asked them, why are we marching? Why are we marching? Because we've been marching for days and you don't tell us where we're going. They go, you're just marching until you die. So six million Jews died where we got to go. 1.5 million of those Jews were children under the age of 16. And when we walked through this, it was like glass. You just hear somebody saying like, let's say, um, and I, I hate doing it like this, uh, uh, Bianca Mendez, Napa Valley. 16 years old. Um, you know, Andrew Vasquez, 14 years old. Uh, 
wherever, you know, whatever our children, imagine your children, and those are the names. These are all children who died, a million, 1.5 million, and their only crime was that they were born Jewish. Yes, yes. And people want us to forget. And the Jews say, we will never forget. We will never forget. And it's not to take vengeance. It's to remember we have a God. And this is what I kind of found out um, through Christians. The reason why the Jewish people probably have gone through such hard stuff over years, decades, centuries, is because if you remember it, and Pastor Rick again will, I was thinking of Pastor Rick because I know that I'm not going to say I'm going to paraphrase it and he'll think about it right now. But when Pontius Pilate had Jesus brought before him, he said, I wash my hands of this because I find no evil in this man. And what did the, what did the, Pharise- the, what did the, um, the high priest say? Do you remember what he said? Um, where I know they all said crucify him. Crucify him. But he said, may his blood oh, do you remember that be upon us. Be upon us mm-hmm. and our children. Yes. So he brought a curse on him. He did. And all the Jewish nation. And that's why they don't want to forget because they know their shortcomings from their past. Some of them, a lot of them believe in Jesus. A yes. lot of them still do not. Yes. But it's like if Pastor Rick never would have prayed for me. How could Pastor Rick not pray for his wife's brother? For his family member? Mm. How can we not pray for Jerusalem? Amen. If it wasn't for the Jews, we wouldn't have been able to go for good or for bad, whatever happened we would not have been able to be heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Amen. But thank God for the cross. Does anybody know what we're looking at right here? Raise your hand if you know what you're looking at. This is called Golgotha, the face of the skull where Jesus was crucified. Right up on top of this hill is where supposedly Jesus was crucified. This is right outside the city gates at that time. And uh, when you look at it, from different views, you can actually see that skull even more pronounced. It looks like a skull. It's different than any other landscape, any other hill in that area. It definitely stands out. And right below, close to that, is the uh, garden tomb as well. Go ahead, let's go to the next slide, and we're almost done this here. This is the garden tomb. Yes. Very peaceful there. It's, it's beautiful, it's serene. Everybody, you see different groups of different faiths, different Christian faiths. Uh, their minister or whoever speaking to them, praying, doing a sermon, whatever it is. And that is the tomb where they say Jesus could have been buried at, right there. That tomb right there. And they have much historical reason why that place could be, because it fits all the narratives according to the Bible, that it was outside the gates of Jerusalem. And this tomb happened to be discovered outside the gates of Jerusalem. The Catholics believe that it's at another site, but... Like Patrick's just saying, there's a lot of historical stuff that points to it. There's this like wine press off mm-hmm. to the right that's biblical back even in the Old Testament prophesied and uh, where they had a wine press. Uh, in the Bible, you'll know that it says uh, the, the Son of Man or the Son of God had no place that was going to be his own. Only rich people could be uh, put into a place like this. A Christian man of that time said Jesus will have a tomb of his own. Amen. Just the way it was prophesied in, in biblical times. And it's believed that this is the site of this was going to be for his family. But he said, no, this will be for our Lord and Savior. We're going to walk into that tomb right now. Can you raise that volume up a little bit? I don't know if you can hear, but this is what it looks like where Jesus was laid. 
right there. That's where he would have been laying. That was a cross that was put on back then in that time. And you can feel the, when you're there the emotion of that of just being in the presence of that place. Amen. Let's go to the next video. And I want to share one, one other video and then we're done. Where is this at, Martin? This is Jordan River, where John the Baptist baptized his cousin Jesus. Yes. Amen. There are different groups. Actually, there are different groups. In both years, the year before, they saw our group getting baptized here. And uh, as, in, as Pentecostals, and the way you know that our music is, we get joyful like that. So different groups would come and watch us getting baptized. Yes, amen. Old style. And there was a group from Brazil. They were Catholic. And there were like 20 of them. And seven of them asked if they could be baptized with us also. So we baptized them also. This time, we had different people. One of the guys that was there, I didn't know he was my roommate. He is not a Christian. So on the day that we're going to, I go, are you going to get baptized? He goes, well, I don't think so. I go, why not? You're in Jerusalem. You know, you can tell your friends. He goes, Martin, I'm not a Christian. And I thought, you're not. I go, I thought you were. He goes, no, I'm not. He goes, I'm Catholic. I'm not, I'm not your faith. I go, that doesn't matter. You believe in Jesus. You know, stuff like this. So he got baptized. Later on, um, yes, amen. Mexican men don't do this. Uh, they don't touch each other. Um, they, they, they don't. He grabbed, during one point, later on in the week, when we were all being touched at the tomb, he grabs my hand and puts it on his heart. And his heart was beating so fast. Mm-hmm. And when he talks to us now, because we miss him, I, I tell him he's my favorite. He starts calling his brother, and, and he accepted Jesus Christ, and we're still praying for him. His, his name is uh, Dorian. I asked you to pray for Dorian. Um, Felix, who was our guy, is not a Christian. He's Jewish. He's not a Christian. And Ibrahim, who's Arabic, is not a Christian. But both of them, during the time before we left, and even now, has asked our group, and they know what we were going to do in the name of Jesus, yes. asked our group to pray for them. Thank you, Lord. And even the last time we went, another Arabic in Matt, our guide, Letty, he goes, yeah, well, do you mind if I pray for you? Because he had an infection in his teeth and gums. She touched him, and he kind of freaked because a woman does not touch an Arabic man. And she prayed for him, and his pain and infection went away. And he brought his wife and children the next day and asked for her to lay hands on them and to pray for them. And these are Amen. Arabic people who not only do not accept Jesus, they don't accept God the way we do. And uh, I just ask that you pray. His name is Ibrahim. It's like Abraham, but it's Ibrahim. And our guy's name is Felix. And Felix Levi, no, Felix Lev Ari. Um, he's Jewish and either Argentinian or Peruvian. But those guys, Dorian, who's a brother who I believe is a Christian. Amen. Why don't you give Martin a big hand? Thank you, brother. You're welcome to come up here um, as we dismiss here shortly to come and take a a last look at some of these items that we have both both brought back. In fact, there's a shofar here um, that the Jewish people
people will blow on festival days. There is a, um, I brought my prayer shawl that I have here that is worn over the head as prayers are announced. Um, there's many things that we would have both wanted to bring back and uh, that we didn't. Now let's bow our heads as I pray the final blessing today found in Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name.